not going to fault her. I mean, I was adopted by by great parents and I've had a good family life. Um, I've had a good life. But I was it was hard to hear that the things behind my adoption were because of her addiction, possibly. I guess the first thing that came to my mind was like, I was not her priority. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Joseph. He called me from Washington State. Joseph grew up in a family of several children, some biological and one other adoptee you might already know. He told me that he never could have pinpointed what it was, but he always seemed to be searching for something. He started his journey searching for answers from his biological mother. Instead, he found mystery surrounding her life, unanswered questions, and a connection to his brother that means the most to him out of everything. This is Joseph's journey. Joseph is a really outdoorsy guy who lives in Edmonds, Washington, about 30 minutes north of Seattle. He likes mountain biking, trail running, camping, and skiing. Reflecting on his childhood, Joseph said his was pretty normal for the most part. He was adopted at almost two years old, and they lived in central Washington. It was a middle-class upbringing with five children in the family. His father was a civil engineer, so their family moved around occasionally for him to take jobs in public works. I asked him about his memory of being adopted at the age of two years old. I was going to ask you about whether you remembered a transition at two at all. If you had any sort of stark memory or any even general memory of just Mm -hmm. a transition of of scenes, like one minute you're in one place and even at two two years old, you recognize like, hey, this is a different place. What I remember, I have one memory of prior to living with my adopted family and and that was confirmed by my mom when i told her i said you know i would have i started having this reoccurring dream which was me and this other girl playing with a red ball and we were just bouncing it back and forth to each other and for some reason i don't i don't know how it happened but when the ball came back to me, it hit me in the face. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it, it, I just remember crying because I think it just kind of, it, it wasn't anything out of malice or anything. I, I just remember we were playing and the ball got out of control and hit me in the face. Right. And I remember the girl, like, really holding me and saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And my mom said, you know, that was probably your foster sister, Stacy. I was in foster care leading up to my adoption. That, that is my one and only memory. Joseph said that it wasn't until he was four years of age when he actually remembers his life when they lived in Richland, Washington. Recall that Joseph had four siblings. The two oldest are biological to their parents. His sister Leslie was also adopted, and their parents had one more biological child after Joseph and Leslie. 
Joseph said his earliest pictures of himself that he had seen before reunion were from the transitional period when his adoption was being processed. He was visiting with his adoptive family, meeting and playing with his new siblings and staying the night. So I've ne- I had never seen any pictures of me as an infant, mm-hmm. as a child, like a baby or anything like that. Yeah. Which yeah. was kind of significant for me. I'm someone who's really into photography. I love uh, the medium. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like having pictures of me were really important. You know, it, was, it, it really helped me look at, you know, my life as an adopted kid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, that's something that always resonated with me. And so I know that I always was really curious to see, you know, pictures of me, maybe with my biological mom or as me as an infant. And my adopted mom and I, you know, we would talk about that a lot as well. Like it would, you know, just help me kind of complete the picture. Joseph said he and Leslie bonded over being the adoptees in the family. Uh, knowing that we were adopted was significant for both of us. Sometimes, you know, I can't speak for my sister, Leslie, but for me, I felt like when things were, I don't know, like when we were frustrated with our parents or something, you know, like, you know, being told to do something we didn't want to do or having to go to bed at night early when the rest of the family got to stay up and watch television, we were like, this is, this isn't right. You know, and we would, you know, the bonding of like us to say like, well, it's us against them. I certainly had that feeling sometimes. I had nothing against my family at all. I love my parents and I love my brothers and sisters tremendously. But, you know, when you're a little kid and you're feeling like it's you against the world, knowing that my sister was also adopted, you know, that was something that I, we really connected over. Yeah. And, and to this day, I, I still feel that way. It's um, my sister's experience and finding her biological family was really important to me. I watched and listened with bated breath, like as she was going through this whole process. It was a great. It was great to have another kid in my family that was adopted. I was glad to hear that Joseph really felt loved in his family. That's an important point for adoptees to clarify when it's applicable. I guess I should tell you that Leslie. Joseph's sister is someone whose story you've already heard. She was my guest on Who Am I Really on episode 56. I feel whole. Finding him was the key. It was just surreal to me because it's like, here is this perfect stranger that all of a sudden I'm thrown into his life and he's thrown into mine. And, you know, with the history of my mother, I was very cautious because I was expecting him to not be so open about it. But And when I flew down to see him, we both started crying. I mean, it was just amazing. And he just would stare at me, you know, like, wow. Turning back to Joseph, he shared that Leslie's reunion was fairly recent in his life, just a few years ago. And he was intrigued as a man in his 40s, contemplating seeking reunion. He found himself intrigued with her path and wanting to hear her story as much as possible as it unfolded. At that point, he was still deciding for himself whether he wanted to pursue reunion because he was okay with being adopted to that point. His parents and siblings were open about their adoptions, but he admits when he was younger, he was a little curious about finding biological family members. I was always curious. I think 
as a younger person, I was definitely curious about finding biological family. But as you get older, I just started wondering how important is it for me to to do this search? Because I thought I have a great mom and dad. You know, we weren't a perfect family. I don't think there is a really perfect family, but I just I felt like my upbringing was very good. I was supported. I have great brothers and sisters. You know, it was this question of, is this really enough for me? Does this complete me? So as I was kind of thinking about all of that, my sister Leslie began her search in real earnest. And so then that really got me thinking, you know, what, you know, the what if, like, what if I did the search as well? And who would I find? And what would that mean to me in my life? And would it complete me in some way? And then I started realizing kind of, I might have internalized having this feeling of um, a sense of not being complete. And so what I mean about that is I'm going to go back a little bit farther when I was much younger. I always had this sense of wanting to go somewhere. I was a bit of a wanderer as a child, meaning I certainly enjoyed my environment. My parents said I was a a rather well-adjusted little boy, but I was constantly just walking out of the house as a, you know, a four-year-old toddler Hmm. and walking down the block and I would go and meet other people, you know, kind of a scary situation for a parent when you realize where, you know, where's my son, you know? And my parents would have, you know, my dad would hop in the car and start driving around the neighborhood. And eventually they'd find me, you know, I'm, which I, and I found really odd, like people would just, you know, think like, oh, here's this little kid and he's talking to us, but shouldn't he really be at home? <laughs> I think through a little bit of therapy, um, I was starting to get in touch with this sense of loss. I wasn't sure if I had a sense of place. Joseph speculates that he was a bit of a melancholy child. He lacked a sense of belonging, and he attributes that to his adoption. The sense of loss early in Joseph's life was rekindled when Leslie began her search. Joseph told me that he sought therapy to talk about what he was feeling. He said when he was younger, he was really open to seeing people he looked like and wanting to meet biological relatives. As an older man, The family he knew and loved sort of felt like enough for him, and he appreciated his adopted family for what they meant to him. When he decided to search, he admitted it was scary because the idea of opening Pandora's box and not finding the story he wanted to hear could be tough to handle. I attribute the way I've thought about my adoption, it's been in my thought process to uh, my adopted mom. She was... I, she was very open about talking about the adoption. She was, she made me feel very good about, you know, if that I was a special kid, they, they wanted me, they loved me, you know, so I did talk to my mom quite a bit about being adopted and that always felt like a good thing. You know, it was never, you know, I didn't feel bad or anything. Yeah. Cause if you felt like it was a secret, if there was something being hidden or kept from you, it can lead to some yeah. additional feelings like, well, what are you, what are you guys hiding from me? Like, how bad is this? Right. But if someone right. can speak openly yeah. about it, 
it changes things about how you feel going into <clears throat> into search and reunion. I'm I'm with you. Definitely. Yeah, I had a good foundation as far as like if I wanted to search for my biological family, my parents and my family were behind me 100%. When he was 18, a woman in his church who knew he was adopted shared that she had learned of an organization with an online adoption registry that was trying to rematch biological families. He filled out their forms, hoping for a match, but no results were ever returned. Later, his older sister Lori, a real supporter of Joseph finding his biological family, would call from time to time to ask if he'd been searching, checking to see how it was going, and generally offering to help. In the early 1990s, she noticed that in the Seattle Times newspaper, people were submitting classified ads with information about their adoption in search of their biological families. Joseph did the same, adding his birth name and last initial, the hospital he was born in, and the fact that he was searching for his biological mother, adding her name and last initial. We'll get to how he knew that information a little bit later. The day the ad ran, my sister receives a voice message. And unfortunately, my sister wasn't there to take the call, so it went to her answering machine or her voice message. My sister calls me and she's like, are you ready for this? And I'm like, you cannot. I mean, like somebody actually just called. Right. And she's like, I missed this call, but there's a message. And a woman is on the other, you know, leaving this message saying, you know, I'm calling in response to this ad in Seattle Times. And um, I'm really curious what the last name is. Um, for Jason Shane and my sister said the voice kind of pauses a little bit. She can hear children in the background and the woman says, you know, I think this might be my child. Wow. And she just says, you know, I'll just call back later. And that was it. Like she didn't leave a phone number or anything. Oh no. Oh man. So really up until very recently, that was like the closest I felt that I got to learning something about myself. Time goes by. The strength of the internet search capabilities was growing in the 1990s, and Joseph's sister Lori was periodically digging online for this Susan woman. Joseph decides to cold call one of the phone numbers for a Susan that lives in North Carolina. He explained to the woman who answered the phone that he was doing some genealogical research. The woman who answered the phone said, Oh, you must be looking for my mother. She gets a lot of calls about her genealogical work. The woman offers to have her mother call Joseph back. When she does, he's immediately super honest with her, shares his birth name, and that he's looking for his birth mother, named Susan. Then he asked her, so I'm wondering, are you my biological mother? <laughs> I mean, I wow. can't imagine getting that call. But um, she started crying. And I, my chest just like clenched because I thought, oh, my God, you know, I found her. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm not your mom. And the reason she started crying is because her, her daughter, she was sending her first daughter off to college for the first time, you know. So I called her at a really awkward moment. Uh, and that's why she was crying because her firstborn was going off to college and leaving the nest, so to speak. And oh, it felt really awkward and it was uncomfortable. And 
I just remember hanging up and I, not kidding you, I passed out. Really? I woke up like the next day. You were just I was drained. so emotionally drained. And that was really, you know, I guess early on I should have said like, that was the moment in which I, I set it aside. You know, I was probably in my, I was in my mid twenties and I just thought I can't do this. I'm also trying to finish college. And I just told myself, I'm going to, I'm just going to set this down for a while and live my life mm. and I'll get to it. If I want to, I'll make that decision later. Joseph confided in Leslie to learn more about what she did first in her search. Leslie had taken a DNA test with 23andMe, so Joseph did the same. When the test results came back, he immediately had a significant match with his second cousin, Stephanie. Joseph sent her an internal message through 23andMe, highlighting their close relation and, right from the jump, sharing that he is adopted and that he was on a search. No minced words. Stephanie's exchange with Joseph revealed she was a really nice person. She's like, that's awesome. You know, if we're related, we should figure it out. They do a lot of genealogy on their family. And so she said, my older sister is actually someone who's really into genealogy. So we will, you know, we'll, we'll try to figure this out. Then that was it. Stephanie and her older sister were sharing the 23andMe account, and the older sister began messaging Joseph, but the message exchange with her was more guarded and cautious. Then, the conversation went cold. No more messages. Joseph turned to Leslie and her husband Tom because he's a pretty good genealogist and detective of sorts. So, given his prowess with Leslie's journey, Joseph felt he needed to talk with them about his search. All the while... Joseph, still new to 23andMe, was reaching out to the gangs of biological connections he was making online. It did become somewhat emotionally draining because people were like, would respond saying like, yes, we are related. I don't know how. I'm so sorry. You know, people would say sorry all the time. I always find that really odd. But they're like, you tell them that you're adopted and you're searching for your biological family. And they're like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, don't be sorry. And, you know. <laughs> But there was someone who showed up as a connection with a guy named Nielsen. For the longest time, Nielsen's profile didn't have a picture or an avatar until one day someone updated the profile to add a picture. When Joseph got a message that Nielsen had updated his profile picture, he messaged Nielsen to make contact, but he never heard back. Joseph asked Stephanie about this Nielsen guy, but she didn't know who he could be. However, she offered something else, a meeting. Stephanie asked Joseph if he wanted to go meet her and her family in Portland. He drove down to meet Stephanie, her mother, and her father. Stephanie's mother, Robin, is Joseph's first cousin. No, I meet them, and uh, Robin, who is Stephanie's mom, you know, she just looks at me and she's like, you are our people. Wow. You look like the Stanfords. And that was the first time I heard the last name Stanford, you know, as, as, you know, like part of my DNA, you know, part of my history. And of course, I'm looking at Stephanie and I'm looking at her mom, Robin, and I can't quite see the relationship. They had a really nice dinner where Robin offered to take Joseph to a family house. The home was vacant 
but the family's history was documented well within the house in photographs, historical artifacts, and artwork. The family has an interesting history in the timber industry immigrating from Europe to New York to British Columbia and down to Bellevue, Washington, where the family raised four sons. At the family house, Joseph could see images of family members he's related to. I look like those men. Like, that was the first time that I saw myself. Wow. Like, a, a physical relationship or a physical characteristics of, you know, like my face. Especially the men who were, you know, like the great, great men, if you will, like the great, great uncles or grandfathers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, a, you know, kind of a longer face and, you know, a kind of a pronounced chin and stuff and i'm just seeing myself it really blew me away i could imagine that must have been crazy so they're like and that's when robin my first cousin so she's like do you see what i mean and i'm like yeah i see that but we have no idea we have absolutely no idea like is it my biological mom or is it a or a or my biological father you know that comes from this family Joseph met another cousin named Jill, who visited him in Washington, and she also said he looks like one of their people. But it just wasn't clear whether the relation was maternal or paternal. It left Joseph with so many questions that he went back to Leslie's husband, Tom, to commit himself to his search. Around that time, Leslie was meeting her biological mother and half-siblings. She was having a mix of positive and challenging reunion experiences. I believe eventually she's meeting her biological mom. I think there are, there were some really positive things that happened for her. And then, you know, there were some other things that were a little more difficult in that, in that reunion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm, I'm watching and I'm listening, you know, and so I'm a little, I'm, I'm nervous because it's like, gosh, do I really want to go down this road? Leslie, filled with positivity, encouraged Joseph to press on. While coordinating with Tom, Joseph learned about the GEDmatch platform, which allows users to upload their DNA files from other sites like 23andMe. Immediately, Joseph starts getting emails from cousins who are also doing genealogy work, but he rarely responded. He was emotionally exhausted from being on the other end of those same messages going out from his account on 23andMe to other people, and he really wanted to keep his focus on his first and second cousins or closer matches. One day, Joseph got an email from a woman named Lauren from Knoxville, Tennessee, who said she'd been using JetMatch for a while and that she was really into genealogy. And the reason I'm emailing you is that you and I actually have a very strong relationship to each other. And that's the first time that's ever happened. And I think that's significant. Wow. And that was cool. That was received lots of emails from people because that database, you know, your information, you know, people can just contact you very quickly. Um, But that was significant to me. Obviously it it was a much more personal email and it was clearly, she's like, you should, you know, she's like, get online or go into the database and look at this, look at this, look at this, and you'll see what I'm saying. Joseph followed Lauren's instructions and he quickly saw she was right. They were a close match. He emailed her back to schedule a phone date to introduce themselves. Lauren Lauren shared the history of her family and her speculation that Joseph was on her maternal side of the family, but 
that still didn't clarify whether it was a maternal or paternal connection for him. They agreed to keep in touch, and Joseph turned over what he had learned to Tom. Tom and Joseph augmented their own search with the new information and Joseph's biological mother's name, Susan. I paused him for a moment to ask how he already knew his birth mother's name. The adoption was always considered kind of an unfortunate situation. So my biological mother was actually 25 when she had me. So she, you know, she was a little bit older and she also was a nurse and she um, got pregnant and she had me and she kept me. But there were, her situation wasn't very stable and that eventually, you know, the state took me away from her because there was uh, issues of neglect. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what people I think considered unfortunate that if she could have kept me, I think people were trying to help her stabilize, but it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So I, I went into foster care. During the adoption process, Joseph had a social worker and an attorney assigned to him. They transferred information about Joseph's vaccinations and pediatrician visits to his adoptive parents. Those records contained his birth name, Jason, his birth mother's name, Susan, and an address in Seattle. Joseph's adoptive parents, being open about his adoption, said he could look at the papers anytime he wanted. Back in 2009, before Joseph ever got on 23andMe or Jetbatch, he and his adopted mother went on a little search of their own. With my mom, we went to that address one day. This was several years ago, but I went to go look at where I lived. Wow. I was a child when I was first born. And how was that for you to go to that address with your adopted mom? I was, I was really, really nervous. You know, doing that really uh, showed the kind of impact it had on me. You know, like I was, I was starting to really feel and understand my adoption, so to speak. You know, like there's parts of my life that are unknown, and going down that road to understand well here here's the beginning of your history that that really weighed on me but my mom she's a trooper she's like well let's get out of the car you know we looked at the house there it was um it's in the neighborhood of seattle called ballard ironically i work really close to that house yeah i drive i've i've delivered mail to that house i'm a mailman i've actually gone to that house a couple times and delivered mail there walking up and down the block Joseph's adopted mother suggested they knock on some doors looking for a longtime resident who might have some info. Joseph picked a door where an older gentleman answered, and a younger woman came to the door behind him. Joseph just kind of blurted out his story of adoption and searched for his biological mother, Susan. Unfortunately, the older neighbor had lost his memory to Alzheimer's, and his daughter, who answered the door with him, didn't have any solid information. Joseph said, Alzheimer's and memory issues will play out later in his journey. You know, we said our thank yous. And when we were walking back to the car, I said, Mom, I can't do this anymore. I'm just like, I can just feel drain mm-hmm. on me because it, it's just really emotional. Yeah, it is. I have feelings that I've never, you know, like it's, I, I just, I, I could tell like something was coming over me. And I, I just said, I think we should just go home because I can't do this anymore. So that was about 10 years ago, well before Joseph started his more recent searches. 
Back in the present, Tom took Joseph's birth mother's name and did the easiest thing he could think of. He looked for her on Facebook. Joseph had done so himself and didn't find the woman, but when Tom searched, he found her. And she had two Facebook accounts. Tom and Joseph are on the phone together, clicking through both of her accounts, and they find that Susan has a son. The man is in family photos on both accounts. Joseph has a brother. We're just doing this real time. <laughs> it's, it's unfolding. And I'm just like blown away. I, I, just, I can't believe it. And the gentleman that he believes is my brother has a YouTube page. So um, he's got some footage of he and his family uh, up here on the islands uh, whale watching. Hmm. And you don't see him, but you hear him talking. And he's, you know, because the footage is of the whales, but the guy is talking and you hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And Tom was saying, you've got to play this. But then my sister Leslie is like in the conversation. She's like, you have to listen to this guy's voice. He sounds exactly like you. Wow. Like there's no question. So they send me the link and I'm, I play it. And sure enough, I mean, the voice that you're hearing is the voice of my brother. That's incredible. My half brother. And, you know, Leslie's like, do you believe me? And I'm like, you know, I'm just like, I can't believe it. Yeah, he sounds totally like me. I mean, it's just the same intonation and everything. It's very surreal. What did you think when you heard that, man? I was really, I was feeling a lot of things. I was very excited and equally really, really scared. You know, there's just this feeling of, you know, I'm getting closer and closer of making these connections. And it's a real unknown, right? You know, I just feel like I don't know what to do with this, but I'm feeling really excited about it at the same time because it's like my whole life just fast forwarding to present day, you know, like it, I'm catching up to something that was from the past. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just my whole life coming down to this moment. Uh, it was, it felt very surreal. Tom suggested Joseph should message his brother through Facebook. But by the next day, Joseph was just too scared. He asked Tom to message his brother for him and act as their intermediary. Tom sent the message saying he was acting on behalf of his brother-in-law, an adoptee, gave their mother's name, and then asked this. Did she ever tell you that you may have... Um, a brother, you know, that, or that she actually had a child and then put it up for adoption. And so Troy responded saying, you know, I know this story. And he's like, yeah, my mom did have a son. And he said, it can't get into the whole story here, but I wasn't sure if that was ever true or not, but that I had heard that I may have a half brother. Joseph said the way Troy phrased his response was foreshadowing his relationship with their mother and the uncertainties he had about what was true and what was untrue about her past. Tom facilitated a connection between Joseph and Troy. They start instant messaging on Facebook. He's very funny and he's like, dude, like, there's nothing that meets this in my life at this moment. Like, I'm completely blown away. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, we should meet. Right. I mean, that's the next step here. And he's like, yep. So 
You would not believe it. Actually, I hear this all the time in adoption stories, but the guy lived 10 minutes away from me. Is that right? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I love when I hear that stuff. I mean, when it works out well. What's, that's bo- what's funny is that we both moved to our homes in about the same time. Of course they lived right near one another, right? When the brothers met. It was one of those moments you just can't even anticipate because the connection was deep and immediate. So we we met um, kind of right in the middle and uh, totally blew me away. I'm going to get super emotional because it was, you know, we look alike. And um, we chose the most public place to meet uh, and... Uh, and I think we both just started <laughs> we both started crying there. Wow. He's huge. He's really tall. He's much taller than I am. Are you tall also? And I like to think I'm five six, but I'm really five ten. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nobody he, ever says that. <laughs> Usually people are like, I like to think I'm six one, but I'm five ten. You went the other direction. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um you know, anyway, whatever. Um I meet Troy. We're, you know, we're standing at the table we should be sitting down at, but you know, we give each other a really big hug. I think we just looked at each other. I was crying. We noticed like we sound like each other. We were having a very surreal moment in a very, very public space. (laughs) Yeah. Weird, right? And we're like, we need a beer. (laughs) <laughs> so we had to, we just had to order a pint of beer and kind of sit there for a moment. And, uh, you know, we just started talking. And how was it? And did you connect? Oh man, immediately, immediately. It was, you know, I, I just can't really explain it. I loved him immediately and this, and vice versa. Right. I mean, we just, I think we both felt like we were both missing some kind of connection in our lives you know as we as we kind of dove into our lives it became pretty apparent that we both had these similar experiences what's interesting is that you know when our mom had him she kept him it was not it was a tough life i mean there were definitely some difficult moments she had me she put me up for adoption but we share a very similar feeling of feeling a disconnection like something just part of our life wasn't really pieced together. I yeah. don't know. When we met each other, it felt like, oh, here is the piece of the puzzle. You know, we just we just put it right there in the puzzle and it completed it. We're like, ah, there we are. That's incredible. That's the best way I can explain it. The yeah. piece of the puzzle just walked right into your life. That's in that's really unbelievable. Yeah. It wow. was a really great moment. I mean, he's like me, you know, he he just said what do you want to know? And what do you really want to know? <laughs> you know, he's like, I yeah. can give you two different, I can give you the lighter version, or if you really want to know some stuff, I can get into it. And I'm like, let's get into it. I, there's no reason why not to, I, you know, I, I want to know. He was saying, you know, there's some things about our mom that may be difficult for you to hear. And I said, I, you know, I want to know who she is and I'm willing to hear it. You know, I'm in this, I'm invested in it. So I'm willing to hear the story. Their mother has had a rather difficult life. She's been an addict who's had a lot of high and many low moments. 
Her addiction made life tough for Troy because it created a difficult relationship between them. Her addiction got her fired from her job as a nurse, and she nearly lost her life. She was high, and she got into a really bad car accident, and I think she almost died. Oh, my gosh. She got into a head-on collision, had a traumatic head injury, and she lost. She fortunately lost her leg. Oh, it was no. and as a matter of fact, I mean, as we speak, I've been in touch with my brother, and she is she's close to passing away. Oh man, I'm sorry. Um, because her health is very, very bad, and because of you know the loss of her leg, that that's created a lot of medical issues for her. It's never been good for her since. And, you know, he said, um, if you ever want to meet her, you know, you should be prepared to maybe not be able to get any story out of her because she has a hard time remembering things. And what did you think? Did you think, did you still want it to do so or no? Uh, you know, my heart sank a little bit, to be honest, I, because I realized I probably had a much I guess uh, I had a different picture in my mind or a different story in my mind. And I, you know, I knew when I was getting into this that, you know, maybe I'm going to find some things out about her that will be difficult to hear. And if anybody knows me, I mean, the people who really know me know that I am free of judgment. I really do not judge people. You know, I don't think that's a fair position to take on someone's life. And I, you know, I, I'm not going to fault her. I mean, I was adopted by, by great parents and I've had a good family life. Um, I've had a good life, but I was, it was hard to hear that the things behind my adoption were because of her addiction, possibly. I guess the first thing that came to my mind was like, I was not her priority. Or if I was, you know, I just, I was too much for her to handle. I asked Joseph about those thoughts. I felt like he was taking his mother's challenges with addiction and kind of owning them himself. We talked about his birth mother being an addict and not necessarily being at a place in her life where she could be sober, let alone care for an infant. Joseph said he just wished there was a way she could have maintained her sobriety enough to stay in control of her life. Then... He told the story of how everything went down. He said she was having a hard time in her life and that he was put into foster care. She was about to relinquish me and then she would stop the process and I guess take me back. And that this happened maybe two times. You know, there was a little back and forth. I, I think, you know, that there was a, a really chaotic period in her life and that that eventually the state took me away, that they declared her not competent to be my parent. I don't know. And the funny thing is, as I was going through this, my mom, my adopted mom, tells me the story, which I'd never heard before, which was the straw that broke the camel's back was that she set me up. So she had me. She had custody of me. And that she had set me up with a babysitter. And um, was supposed to come back that night, but she didn't reappear for a week. It was then that the local Department of Social Services began the court proceedings that removed Joseph from her care permanently. His adopted mom told him that story. 
Joseph wondered why he had never heard that pretty significant story before. She told him that as he was going through all of this in his reunion, that particular memory triggered for her. Back on his birth mother, Joseph told me he tries not to judge her for that time in her life. The thing that I remember about myself in those stories that is that I never felt mad or angry or had any resentment towards me being adopted or that my mother was negligent and what happened happened. I, I just, I don't have those feelings. Whereas, you know, some of the friends that I've met, you know, have, there's some, they harbor, which, and I get it, everyone has their own feeling about it. It's a little bit different. You know, there, I've had conversations about like, don't you feel mad at her? Don't you have any resentment or anything like that? And, you know, I'm like, no, I, I kind of feel for her. I think it must have been a really difficult period in her life. So I don't know do if that you, really answers your question. No, it, it, it does. It sounds like you're still trying to figure it out, honestly. That's, that's what I'm hearing, that it's, it's both why wasn't I a priority enough for you to kick the habit so that you could keep your child versus it sounds like you also very much recognize the reality of addiction and how challenged she might be to do so and how I would imagine, you know, right. if she tried to keep you. She attempted to bring you back several times, which to me says you were a priority, but that the specter of addiction was just so strong that she wasn't able to kick it. And and I'm sure that then fed further addiction, which it sounds like your brother had to therefore live with. So that's really tough. After their meeting, the brothers were in touch every day and early into their reunification, Troy asked if Joseph wanted to meet their mother. Troy flew Joseph down to Colorado one month after the brothers met. I asked Joseph how it was. Well, the whole experience, because Troy was there, my brother, I mean, that was everything for me. You know, I I just can't say enough, like, how much I love this guy. Like, we've met, and he is a really important person in my life immediately. So. The experience of doing that ultimately had more to do with us than I think it did between me and my biological mom, meaning that I met her. I was very happy that she agreed to meet me and I met her and there was just not a connection. Really? I met her. She was a, a lovely person and I, you know, I gave her a hug, but like I didn't break down and start crying. It wasn't, it just wasn't emotional because she is in my, from my perception, she's very detached. Their mother's most recent health issues had taken hold at the time of their meeting. She was at an assisted living facility in Colorado and Troy took time to handle some of the business associated with her stay while Joseph and his birth mother had time alone we just sat down and, you know, we just sat there and we kind of looked at each other. There was a rather awkward moment, you know, <laughs> I wasn't really sure what to say. Right. She's so we're like twiddling our thumbs. So, uh, you know, how are you doing? You know, we, we exchanged, you know, niceties and, and, she, and then she just, I just remember she just looked up and she looked at me and she's like, what do you, what do you want to know? Which was a rather funny question because when I got into it, she, she couldn't tell me anything. But I said, you know, 
I had heard, I just went right to the story. The, the moment that she, I was taken away from her. And I, I said, um, you know, I just want to know, did, you know, did you leave me for a week when, you know, you were supposed to be just going out for the evening. And that was the moment in which the, the state started the proceedings of, you know, taking me away from you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's like, she she said no that was not that was not the reason that was not what happened that she said um she was essentially coerced really? into giving me up for adoption that you know they kind of laid out some explanation of why she wasn't fit to be a mother i'm i'm paraphrasing but she she said that she was basically duped she didn't realize when she was signing the final papers that she was actually relinquishing me wow. to the state. What did you think when you heard that? Well, I said, what happened then? And she just couldn't tell me. She didn't have any recollection of that period of time. So did you believe and Troy? Her? And this is what Troy had kind of prepped me for in that, he said, you know, when she was in the car accident, she had a serious brain injury, a traumatic head injury. And so she has a hard time remembering things. And it made things problematic, I think, for him because, you know, she was having a hard time even taking care of herself. And I said, well, so if you... So all I know is that she seems aware of the story, but she's like, that's not how it went down. And I said, well, did you go away for a week? And she's like, I can't remember. You know, you didn't leave me alone with a babysitter for a week. She's like, you know, I don't remember. It was so long ago and I have a hard time remembering things. It's interesting that she would, it sounds like very clearly indicate that she was coerced but then indicate that she doesn't have a recollection of the rest of the circumstances surrounding that time frame. So my take on that is I think, I think she might've just been high. <laughs> I think she was on drugs. Yeah. I wondered that. So I believe her like it was probably a blur in that sense. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. You know, it, it does confirm like, you know, I was not a priority in her life. She, I was competing with other things. There were more cloudy, uncertain elements to his birth mother's story that were hard to nail down because her memories were so sparse from that time in her life. Joseph did ask who his biological father was, but his birth mother was unsure. She said his father was also Troy's father, but a DNA test revealed that isn't true. It seems that point of her life was truly a blur. Joseph asked other questions about where they lived outside of Seattle or for any memories at all, but she couldn't recall details from that time in their lives. Their conversation got really awkward and uncomfortable. After that meeting, Joseph has never seen his birth mother again. The evening they flew out of Colorado from that visit, the guys were doing some more investigation into their birth mother on Ancestry.com and 23andMe, where they learned their mother had been married before Joseph was born. Her life is a real mystery. 
that is what we've concluded and we've have since discovered i discovered there's this whole story behind my mom and she she actually has biological siblings that she's never even known about wow but i did tell my biological mom i said you know i found out some things about your life do you want to know about it she said yes and i said you actually have an older sister and a younger brother do you did you know that and she absolutely never knew that but what we found out was that they were all put up for adoption in Montgomery County in Ohio, and they all lived at the same orphanage. Oh, wow. And, um, but she was adopted and moved to California and we haven't found her brother or sister yet. However, that person that I talked about early on, that I connected with, his name is Nielsen. I believe that is her younger brother, my biological mother's younger brother. Joseph said his cousin Lauren clued him into the extended family whom she has connected with on his maternal side. He has a lot more to discover about his birth mother's difficult story from them. The pieces are still coming together. It is fascinating. It's putting pieces of my family lineage together, which I find really fascinating and i am probably more invested in learning my my biological mom's story than our connection like i found my biological mother i'm glad she uh agreed to meet with me and that she provided me with the dna test because i think that's going to help me down the road and um but beyond that um what came of that was that I found out that I have a half-brother, and that's been a really great thing for me. Wow. So I appreciate that about her. All of this has sparked so much curiosity about the past for Joseph, and now he's digging into his story, more than he is investing in connecting with his birth mother. On his paternal side, Joseph has met with a gang of his cousins that have learned of his existence. They met for dinner at a lodge in Snoqualmie Pass, Washington, in the Cascade Mountains, which used to be a favorite place for their family. The cousins were really nice people, and a few of them even thought they could be siblings. Still, they've narrowed down the possibilities to two men in the family that could be Joseph's biological father. But there's one relative the family believes is the plug in the dam of information they're interested in. You know, everyone seems to think that if this one cousin of ours who is hoarding all this genealogy would just give us information we would discover who my biological father is mm -hmm. for some reason this one cousin of mine is very protective of the family information and that's just become very clear that she's not going to be of any help mm. and i recently sent out an email to everyone and said i really want to know who my biological father is and you guys are the ones that can help me. And they said, well, we, you know, we're at the mercy of this person. And I said, we don't, we don't need her anymore. If everyone, you know, if we can start taking DNA tests, I really believe the DNA will just tell the story. And public records and all kinds of other things can start to trace back to yeah. where people have been, who knew who, who was married to who, and all kinds of things that will help you to, to unfold this mysterious box. It's really unbelievable. You know, it's it's so hard. You sometimes you want it to to just unfold. I just want my answers. And 
and it just doesn't always come apart as cleanly as you would like for it to. It's really, really tough. You know, I've listened to other people's stories and, you know, there, there seems to be just kind of this clear path, you know, that gets them to their biological parents and the story unfolds and they learn a lot um, or they discover many things. And um, I just have realized that that is not going to be my trajectory, you know, that I'm learning bits and pieces as I go. and you know, there's just things, some things I may not ever know. And, you know, when I told myself, okay, you're going to do this, if you're going to search for your biological family, you just have to be prepared to maybe not know everything, or you're going to discover things about um, your biological parent that is hard to hear. And, you know, I, I feel that that's kind of the path that I'm on. And it's, um, I'm okay with that. What it really has done for me, to be perfectly honest, is that it's actually brought me even more closer to my adopted family because they've been super supportive. And I'm really grateful that I have the family that I have. I mean, they raised me and um, my parents did a good job and it's okay. <laughs> That's really cool. I love hearing that, Joseph. I wish you had more answers. I wish people's memories were better. I wish folks weren't sitting on top of or hoarding answers that could be helpful to you. But I think with time, you'll probably discover a lot more. And I know you're craving that right now, but just I would encourage you to have patience and hopefully something will unlock the dam soon. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Take yeah. care, Joseph. Thanks so much for taking right. the time to share your story, dude. I appreciate it. All right. I like your podcast. It's a good thing. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for being a part All of right. it. All right, buddy. All the best. Later. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. It was interesting to hear in Joseph's story that his search was ignited by his adopted sibling, Leslie's reunification. He approached reunion with caution, and rightfully so. What he learned from his birth mother was confusing and may have left more questions than answers. But how incredible to hear that the brothers not only found each other, but deeply connected. I guess sometimes we seek reunion with a person in mind, and a hopeful narrative in our heads, but what we actually receive is very different, and in Joseph's case, a mutually missing piece from both men's lives. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Joseph's journey that inspires you validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? So, that's it. That was my last double-digit episode because next week, we're going to cross a milestone together. Who am I really will hit its 100th episode. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for it. This has been a project of passion and an educational journey for me and a therapeutic resource for others. I'm truly thankful to be able to bring the show to you. I'll see you next week for a special guest that I think you might already know. <laughs>